Zeus is the real one in charge of this podcast, not us. I'm with Elliot Daniels. Is that NBC? Hi, you made it to the uh, 5 p.m. show here on uh, Conspiracy Crashers Broadcasts. We're over here trying to discuss the recent information regarding the Vietnam War conspiracy theory in which several missing persons from the war are theorized to have been held captive for decades, literal decades after the war. I'm Ian Doherty, your anchor, and this is my co-host Eli, and we're going to be telling you everything you need to know about everything you need to know. Wow, I didn't even get to say my name. (laughs) Okay, we're just going to start assuming people know what the Vietnam War is. I feel like most people know what the Vietnam War is. Thank God. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to decipher my notes, and they all just sound too smart. I'm used to being like, and then the ghost turned into a dead body. I'm not going to lie. I'm no history buff. Aside from knowing the general context of the Vietnam War, I know nothing about our actual engagement in it. Yeah, I knew some of it because my great uncle fought in it. But um, he doesn't talk much about it. But yes, Vietnam. Particularly, you're missing in action, prisoner of wars. The Vietnam War started in... 55. And it was originally the French and Vietnam. Yeah. And then things just kind of kept escalating because war, it either escalates or ends. There's no in between. You know, it's been a hot minute. We're like, oh, World War II ended like 20 years ago. We're in 1965 now. Huh. Let's fight some more. So the U.S. gets involved. This was the first war to have stuff be televised about it. They're out there Mm. killing innocent civilians. And so, like, the first time that, like, soldiers came home and weren't praised for what they were doing. Yeah. And so there was a big shift within society in general during this. And I think we also have the introduction of a lot of new weapons. A lot of new warfare tactics in general. So for prison camps, for, like, actual prisoners of war, and it was literally just a place you could put people to interview them later. Additionally, prisoners of war could actually be used for very useful work. For example, they could help build war sites, like dig trenches and stuff for you. Uh, So you could use them as free labor, essentially. Granted, there are certain war conventions on how you are allowed to treat uh, your, your prisoners of war. So it's not like you can like literally work them to death, but nonetheless, you can have them do things for you. And of course, you know, This all hinges on someone obeying the conventions of war. Were those put in place before or after Vietnam? So it was before, 1949. Okay, so it was after World War II, though. After World War II. So having prisoner of war camps was really useful in war for multiple reasons. For information, for labor, and of course, for end of war strategies, you can typically use leverage prisoners of war in treaties, like, okay, we'll give you your men back. We'd like something in return. Yeah, I did read a lot about that, that they were essentially bargaining chip. They become more important as a war draws towards an end. After the Geneva Conventions, it became harder to interrogate prisoners of war and get information out of them. But regardless, there are methods and there are people who will talk if you give them enough reason to. So, I mean, it sounds to me like waterboarding that is used for what? Waterboarding is used in illegal interrogations. 
but like it's that tactic almost like we're gonna make your life hell till you tell us what we need possibly yes uh, again there are standards for how you treat your prisoners of war in theory you cannot like thoroughly torture prisoners of war you can hold them and detain them and you can offer them certain privileges in exchange for information you know some people even got granted like full freedom so could it be an attempt like during war itself to like find out what the plans are for the u.s side like what their next could be yeah you, you could absolutely deal with a prisoner of war you could negotiate with them according to the conventions you couldn't torture them it's hard to say who's following them and who isn't until after the fact okay so that's our all the history you're getting today um someone's probably going to appreciate that honestly this yeah. war lasted 20 years and it was still one of our most unpopular ones ever mm-hmm. can i also just say like Ian, this war lasted longer than you've been alive. Yeah. And accomplished almost nothing. It, I, I mean, the motivations between the French and the Vietnamese makes a lot more sense than the motives of the U.S. getting involved. The only thing I can think is that, you know, sometimes wartime leaders gain a lot of popularity for their activity, for, like, going out and, like, you know, trying to, make an, trying to influence the rest of the world. It has worked before. It can even win at re-elections in some cases. Right. It's just, in this case, they fucked up. Much, yes. We're going to begin with 1973-ish, maybe a little before that, when we've pulled out at this point. We signed the Paris Peace Treaty. So we've withdrawn from the war we're missing a lot of our soldiers. Like, um, to be exact, well, not exact, because I put like over, but it was over 2,500 people reported dead with no bodies. Mm -hmm. Now, in every war before this one, they were either classified as killed in action or body not recovered. But we said, nah, we need a new term. Thus, Missing in Action was born. Now, Missing in Action, correct me if I'm wrong, is we don't really know what happened to them. They could be dead, they could be alive, they could be a prisoner. We just don't know where they are. That is exactly what Missing in Action means. It literally means they don't have enough evidence to conclude what happened to a soldier. They only know that sometime during their service, they went missing. Right. And now... Commonly, it's believed if you're missing an action, you're dead. I think legally, they added it in that if someone is missing an action for long enough, they can be presumed dead for right. the purpose of, like, inheritance and stuff. Right. But, like, I feel like the likelihood of you being MIA and alive is lower than the likelihood of being MIA and, well, dead. I actually don't know what the statistics are on it. I don't either. Uh, we got a lot of people missing though um and we're like well we should probably find these people but also there's still a war going on and we got to deal with that so we're gonna go to the four months after the united states had pulled out of the war <laughs> and we're getting everything together to sign the peace treaties during this four-month period it's obviously very tense still We've all been killing each other, you know? Like, I would not be super pleased 
to talk to anyone who was killing my people. If people were killing my friends, I'd be pissed. So we're signing this treaty. Hanoi claimed that they were holding 1,205 American prisoners. And they're like, we're going to hold on to them, though, to make sure that you do what you're supposed to. They're going to leverage these people now. They're like, we've got them. They're alive. Help us. You get them back. So we're all like, cool, 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 cool. Let's do this. So we kind of like half-ass start helping them repair things. But we never really went through with it. Regardless, in 1973, Hanoi released 591 men. That means there's like 600-ish men that they had basically, there were 1,200 people. And I'm only given 591. Where are my other people? Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people who believe that they're still alive or were at the time, because you also have to look at history, that was in the 70s. Yeah, it's been quite a long time. Um, but if they were at, alive at the time, it would make sense that they were being held as more bargaining positions. <gasps> Kitty! Yep, Joy came down from my top bunk. Hi! Happy Joy. So we go home. We're like, cool, cool, thank you. We're, we're done. But at that point, we kind of pulled out again. We left again, and we did not help them the way we said we would. And now, part of why we didn't help them could have been because so many people turned away from their initial approval of war in general. And so why would you support a country that's still at war if you don't support war? Yeah. But also, you're the reason that country is now in destruction. So you've got all of your people who are like, dude, what the fuck? My son is missing in action and you're not doing anything. You're not going to give me any information on if they're okay um, or where they could be. Um, so with the 591 released, um, they still had over a thousand names of men presumed to have been prisoners um, in 73 when those 500 were released, what well, 591 were released, but they did assume that 400 of those thousand were dead already, which once again still leaves us with that 600 of where the fuck are you? Well, wait, you said they had a list of a thousand people who were presumed mm -hmm. and then the uh, 400 were presumed dead and then they received 590? No, no. After they received that 590, there were still a thousand men. Okay, okay. I was about to say, I was like, that sounds like a really pretty decent, like, approximation. <laughs> right, right. No, no. There were still a list of a thousand. Okay, okay. Unfortunately, I know. I know. Now, a lot of the issue was around the same time, the same thing was happening with the French, who had also been at war with them they were missing a lot of their prisoners of war. And um, supposedly Vietnam was using it as leverage for them. And it was like, if you give us this thing that we need, if you give us money, we'll give them back. So that's how this started. The assumption that they were being used for leverage on this side too. Because again, if you're doing it for one person, you're going to do it for the other. 
perhaps. And that's part of why the U.S. was so upset about this. From there, things kind of just got more and more messy. And I'm literally just going to go through my notes chronologically. So bear with me because it's going to jump around because it's not organized chronologically, if that makes sense. Mm. We're going to jump around some years. We're going to time travel. So John McCain, we all know who he is. Yep. He was one of the 590 men released. Mm-hmm. He was a veteran uh, and a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. A lot of his campaign when he was running was centered around that, was like, I am a veteran of the U.S. I fought for y'all. Elect me. However, through all of that, people got mad that he was talking about being a prisoner of war, but wasn't really giving any information on what happened. Um, And like, maybe he doesn't want to, maybe he has PTSD. To be held prisoner, like, I'm sorry, I'd be a little like, no. Also, it's like, I feel like that's the kind of thing that the government demands you tell them. And then it's not like the kind of thing you're just supposed to spread around. Yeah, like, I don't get to walk around being like, and this happened. And like, I don't want to spread wrong information, but I think my great uncle was a prisoner of war. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't remember. I just know he won't talk about really any of it. Hmm. Um, he was 18. I do know that. Okay. Like, he was really young. But people were pissed, regardless, that McCain using that, like, he fought in the war to his advantage, a war that we didn't approve of, first of all, but then wasn't talking about the prisoners of war. He wasn't talking about any of the prisoners who didn't get to return home. And then they found out he was sponsoring federal pro- Um, a federal law that put into place a prohibition to keep the info on the men, like the information for the missing people, classified. They're like, well, that looks sketchy. That just looks like he knows something. Why would he be sponsoring that to put away the information? And so people are now like a little enraged because of that. And it heats up even more because one of the like brothers, I think it was, of a person who is missing in action stepped forward and was like, you're disregarding the rights of my family. You're not giving us closure. You're just closing the books and putting this away and saying it's over, but we don't know where they are. Since the war ended, there was already a belief that things were not being told to us. That seemed to really elevate the popularity of this thought again. Um, And feel free to pipe in whenever. Mm -hmm. This is a quote from the New York Times. Now we're still in our modern time around the McCain election. Um, The quote from the Times is, the sum of the secrets McCain has sought to hide is not small. There exists a telling mass of official documents, radio intercepts, witness depositions, satellite photos of rescue symbols that pilots were trained to use, electronic messages from the ground containing the individual code numbers given to airmen, a rescue mission by a special force unit that was aborted twice by Washington State, nope, Washington, D.C., and even sworn testimony by two defense secretaries that men were left behind. So I did some digging. You're saying there's this proof, where is it? And I did find the two testimonies, but I did not find the rest of it, but also I fell asleep. So, and it's New York Times, so it's a little more credible. A little. Mm. Reliable than like Wikipedia. 
perhaps more reliable than Wikipedia. We- but I have to, I have to again say there was a hoax in the news. This was Newsweek, okay, July nineteen ninety one where there was a complete hoax photograph which showed three U.S. Uh, POWs being held against their will. It was completely fraud. So I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of evidence which is reportedly shown up, yeah, but which most of was either faked or not traceable to reliable sources. And the fact that I, too, actually looked for sources for... Uh, like all of the left messages by pilots, I find no sources that actually show that in any like reliable context. We have a bunch of individual people reporting it, but they can't seem to show where they get these stories from, mm-hmm. which isn't a great start. Now, was this the two, the 90, are you talking about the 91 Newsweek article or was there? I'm talking about the one you were talking about. I had heard, I had seen on other websites similar claims about like uh, radio interceptions and pilot signals. Yeah. The only thing that I did find was the testimonies. Yeah. Which veers us in a direction of believability. But. You have to be careful with how those testimonies work though, because. From what most of the testimonies I saw, the statement was very, very directly, we believe there are people who are missing, which is very different. That was, that was my takeaway from like the majority of the testimonies I actually read. It's a little um, sketch. It is. Regardless, people were pissed at McCain. Now, apparently, in the early 90s, an American scholar... Um, had discovered a transcript of a North Vietnamese general during these treaty signings um, as a briefing of the Hanoi Politburo. Politburo. Yes, <laughs> of that thing. Saying that, there were, that they were holding X number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that got really widely reviewed, this transcript. Because that's a huge deal. And, like, that's proof that these people are alive or proof that they're not, you know? hmm However, at that point, the select committee of uh, Prisoner of War Missing in Action Affairs looked it over and said, no, this isn't legit, and then put it as classified information. We start getting our whistleblowers. Now... The whistleblowers, some of them were from inside of this committee. Some of them were not. But it never looks good when you mark something as classified and then people on that group start coming out and being like, you're wrong. That's a little, little weird. But, you know, it was getting just really publicly shamed. They were saying, you're not actually caring about it. Um, and this committee just kept debunking things. Being like, you're wrong. You have no proof of this. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Never giving any actual answers. Well, to be fair, that was the point of the committee. It wasn't to find the missing men. The point of the committee was to evaluate any evidence that they were still being kept alive as prisoners. That was what the committee was for. So if people were mad that they were saying, sorry, there, this evidence isn't compelling. They were doing literally the job they were told to do. Yeah. 
It, it wasn't the committee's job to give answers. Well, they thought it was, apparently. <laughs> well, the public always thinks it's the government's job to do everything. Right, right. Here is another quote. This was said by one of the defense secretaries. Um, he said, the government is determined to declare all missing men dead because of the intense outrage that would result if the American public learned of their abandonment. Which, we have no proof, but, like, yeah, I would be outraged. So wait, so the point here is that they're trying to cover it up because acknowledging abandonment would be, like, negative? But they already are suspected of abandonment, regardless. Right. But I guess... So what would they have to benefit from continuing to pretend? Because of the amount of hate that this war got to, um, you know, 18 years after it ended, be like, oh yeah, and we abandoned all these kids. People are going to get real mad. They already sound like they were. That's mm -hmm. all I'm saying. I agree. It doesn't sound like they're saving themselves any face at all. No, but that goes into the right wing thought that it was going to um, be like another Watergate, essentially. However, there was the argument that the government retorted saying a sworn silence would be impossible to carry out. Therefore, the conspiracy cupboard is bare. I would agree with that. We talked about that with our Project Pegasus. Indeed. How you couldn't trust a bunch of children to be given that information and that power and just not tell anyone. Adults either. For the most part, no, yeah. It just, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. I do think that is a fair retort to say like, hey, think this through because I don't agree with you there. So now we should probably jump to 86 real quick. Okay. So in 86, um, the Defense Intelligence Agency, one of the heads of that, his last name was Casey, stepped forward and um, said that he personally believed that the prisoners of war were alive. Hendon, one of the Congress members, said, and this is the quote, what do you want? A hostage crisis. And now given they had had like a pretty gnarly crisis with hostages. Yeah. Um, and so like, he was like, we don't want to do this when we don't even know if they're actually alive. However, the suspicious thing, the reason I wrote this was one, it was another person saying that, hey, they're alive. Oddly enough, Casey, who was in good health, died two months later. And so your believer thought that they were being held captive and were abandoned. We're like, you literally just killed him because he said what we all knew. So I don't know what you think about that, but. I mean, all I can say is that we've actually had like so many significant politicians die without like real warning very quickly. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm just going to remind people that like assassination happens. It happens. But think of most of the actual assassinations that have been pulled off. It's not like usually it's like super secretive in terms of like an undetectable method. Like usually the guys get shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and right. He wasn't shot. Yeah. Um, he wasn't shot. He wasn't poisoned. No. Um, I was looking at the autopsy report of his um, death. God, if I ever die suddenly and people try and look at my search history, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of, they were like, there's no trauma to the body. 
there's no poison in the body. Like, everything looks normal. So cause of death is just died in sleep, essentially. Yeah. They were like, there's nothing unusual about this death. So it's hard to put it as a cover-up. Because as most conspiracies go, they didn't really look into things. 86, they weren't like, hey, show me the autopsy report. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it because I found it in many locations. We got a double meaning for missing in action for MIA. They said it's myth-making in America. So we're now saying that MIA is a myth in its entirety. Um, it would have just been um, killed in combat. Because of the fact that this term is new, it makes it look a little worse to the public then. I mean, we all now hear missing in action and we're like, oh, we know exactly what that means. Novelty raises suspicions. The hostage crisis was part of Carter's presidency, by the way. I just found that note. So shortly after that, we're still in 86, um, Vietnam released 25,000 Frenchmen that they were holding prisoner of war. 25,000. Mm-hmm. After they received from France... $360 million. Well, how long were these negotiations going on for? Um, since the end of the 70s. Roughly eight years. They released 25,000 men. So seeing them do that, of course the U.S. was like, what the fuck? They have them. You're lying to us. We're claiming they only had 1,000 of us. To me, with the numbers being so drastically different, they were probably killed in combat. I mean, that's a conclusion you could draw, There's no, but the problem is there's no evidence to suggest it. Correct. So we've had that happen. And then roughly after that, a lovely industry emerged in Southeast Asia. Really morally correct industry. They started selling false information about prisoners of war to gullible Americans who were willing to pay large sums. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, do you want to speak on that for a hot second? All I can say is that the same issue existed in America during this time, uh, where you'd have a bunch of people campaigning and raising funding for their rescue attempts, uh, which ultimately resulted in nothing. You also had people going around saying, we're going to go secretly find these men and report back to the government. Their secrecy was kind of brought into question when they were selling t-shirts about it Mm -hmm. uh, in, in like villages. So like commercialization of the, of the uh, Vietnam war POW MIA issue was a huge problem on both ends. Unfortunately, gathering legitimate information became really uh, unlikely. You know, that just creates a rabbit hole, though, of, like, what do you do? Because you have to take the gamble, I guess, if you really want answers of, do I take this chance and get false information? And if I get false information, that's not going to help. And you don't want to accidentally believe false information. There was claimed to be a paper trail regarding a discussion with Washington on the sale of remains and 
living prisoner of wars. So the bodies of people who had died and those who were still alive. And I did confirm there was a paper trail, but from what I read of it, that's not what they were talking about. So once again, there was a huge controversy of, hey, we think that there's still living people. So the CIA did an investigation of it and there were really conflicting testimonies. The US said it only included the remains a decent group in Vietnam said it only included their remains. And then the two men in Vietnam who had written this said it did include living prisoners of war. So because of this, and because of the lack of data other than these like three written letters, the CIA ultimately chalked it up to a fabrication. And this just starts leading to um, more theories of what's going on. They're saying, you know, the resistance from the U.S. government is showing that the U.S. just doesn't want to admit they're lying, so they just aren't going to help because, heaven forbid, they be caught in a scandal like this. Um, they were saying that they're being that they're probably being held in the Soviet Union now. That was an interesting one because Boris Yeltsin, who is in well in 2011 was the president of the Russian Federation, said. Our archives have shown that it is true some of them were transferred to the territory of the former USSR and were kept in labor camps. We don't have complete data as to surmise some of them could be alive. That sparks like a little bit of hope, I guess, but like in reality, all he was confirming was some of them were sent to other locations. Yes, and I need to point out even that is rather, uh, it's a very unreliable testimony mm -hmm. uh, because you have to look at the context of when he said this. Yeah. Uh, he was saying this uh, right as a summit between the United States and Russia was opening up. So the statement itself actually disagreed with a joint uh, commission between the U.S. and Russia on details re uh, pertaining to POWs. So his statement directly contradicted something that his own government was a part of, which was a study saying, oh yeah, guys, I don't think there was a transfer within the communist forces. So first of all, he contradicted his own study that his own government officials ran. Secondly, this also came in... Uh, during uh, President Bush's attempt to win congressional approval of a $24 billion multinational aid package to Russia. So there was a lot of incentive, incentive for Russia to appeal to the American public. So it sounds to me like more so this was to confuse the public in order to obtain, first of all, money. And second of all, other, uh, other resources and information from America. And in order to do that, they put on a face saying, oh yeah, sure, this is possible. It's not super helpful. It's not very reliable either. There were $24 billion on the plate, okay? Mm. Like incentivized reasoning was a really big issue as the misinformation in Southeast Asia. If you'll pay us money, we'll give you all sorts of information. 
All right. Now we're getting more and more. We're in the 90s now. In the 90s, because of all of this shit that's happening, there's more and more effort to find out if this war is actually over or if there is indeed Americans being kept in camps and if like the U.S. needs to swoop back in or whatever. And ultimately, we did not. We now have Defense Secretaries James Schleisinger and Melvin Laird, um, both of them who served during the war, um, testified in September of 92 to the Prisoner of War Committee saying, I think that as of now, I can come to no other conclusion. Some were left behind. Now, here's the thing. He's coming to the conclusion that some were left behind. Yeah, people were left behind. But he never once said left behind alive. Also, wasn't he one of the guys on the committee who came to the unanimous conclusion that all evidence that they were left behind was either fabricated or inconclusive? No, Schleisinger wasn't on the committee. Oh, Schleisinger wasn't? Okay. Following that, we start getting firsthand reports from Americans going to Vietnam, because it's like safe to go now, I guess. Um, well, no, I mean, it's safe to go now. I'm um, saying that like they're seeing these American prisoners. And so at this point, I have that the Defense Intelligence Agency had gotten 1,600 first-hand reports and 14,000 second-hand accounts. Now that's a lot, but it's like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. And as we've mentioned, there's already so much money in the industry of just lying about having knowledge of this kind of thing. Yeah. The CIA, though, however, deemed some of the reports to be credible. Some of them lined up, and then they had some of them do lie detector tests. A lot of the lie detector tests were passed. However, the Defense Intelligence Agency said just because these tests were passed, there's no valid evidence that these men are alive. They're like... Yeah, the issue with the lie detector test is proof that they believe something to be true, but uh, it has nothing to do with whether or not it actually is true. Yeah, there's also, like, people who killed people pass the lie detector test when they were a suspect because if you're nervous, you're going to fail it. It doesn't matter if you're guilty or not. It yeah. picks up on things like heightened heart rate. If I'm yeah. an anxious person in general... Guess whose heart rate's going to be heightened? It's been deemed to not be reliable for so many reasons. Along comes this man, Gritz. So Gritz really thought that there were still people alive. And so he was like, I'm going to get a group to cross over from Thailand into Laos. And we're going to find these prisoners of war. So they get a group, and it, I don't remember who it's funded by. Um, apparently when they get there, there's a letter that's like, if you find them, we're going to start World War III. We'll do anything to get them out. Mm-hmm, um, sure. Sure, right. So almost immediately on their entry into Thailand, they were ambushed and forced to flee. <laughs> it wasn't a communist group or anything. It was actually an anti-communist group um, that they had pissed off earlier. He had to pay $17,500 to recover a captured teammate, but encountered no prisoner of wars. Ta-da. There's actually more to Bogritz, which is even more hilarious. You want to go in on it then? Yes. There was a, a former Delta Force operator, Eric L. Haney, 
who claimed that on two separate occasions, his unit was going to be sent to secretly search out POWs who were still trapped. Uh, however, he said that because Bo Gritz on multiple occasions would go towards sites where the missions happened to be uh, located in, that this Delta Force team was going to go and investigate, he said Bo Gritz on several occasions brought so much attention, so much public attention to what was going on there and was, you know, again, very commercial, like not discreet at all. And as a result, uh, it, was such, it became so public and there were so many people that the Delta Force operations twice had to be canceled because he was there getting in the way of the actual investigation. Bogritz, I, I, there's actually a beautiful quote here. Uh, yes, the U.S. National Security Council would eventually say of him, quote, throughout his years of involvement, Mr. Gritz contributed nothing of value to the POW MIA issue. In fact, his activities have been counterproductive. Truly a specimen. Me, though. What? What? The chaotic evil in me? I think whatever you think is going right isn't. I think it's working. Okay. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh yeah, man, you are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. And we're back. Hello. All right. I hope you enjoyed your um, weather break. It is currently 91 with the humidity of 46, and Eli wants to cry. We left off with what's his name? Bo Gritz. Yes. In 1994, all of the ties were restored by the U.S. with Vietnam. Um, with this happening, um, people got mad because they felt like Vietnam wasn't being honest when discussing the fate of all of the prisoners of war. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, because of that, they're like, why are we accepting them again? Like, are you fucking kidding me? So that was the first issue. But then in 2016, which would have been Obama's presidency, the end of his, yeah. um, he removed the arms embargo. So basically, Vietnam could buy weapons from us again. Mm. And that pissed people off, too, because they were like, that was literally our last bargaining chip to find out what the fuck is going on. However. Hold on, my cat's trapped outside. Kitty! I gotta go save him. The cat has been saved. Now, I went out of order, so bear with me as we go back to 2011. Um, in 2011, fragments of an F-4 jet fighter um, was found on the coast of Vietnam about 45 years after its vanishing. 
it confirmed the death of eight of the missing in action people. And they are doing more underwater surveillance to see if anything else happened over there. That's more confirmation, you know, that it might, it's not what we think it is, you know? Yeah. And the lady who discovered the plane actually said, um, with technology we've developed today, we're able to do a recovery and ID process and we will start, um, we'll be beginning that process soon. It has been extremely successful with unaccounted World War II vets, but focus has not shifted to Vietnam yet. So that sounds like it's gonna provide a lot of answers. Um, she also said it would have been easier for them to just kill and bury them or to release them from the get-go than it would to keep them for all these years. That I can definitely agree with. However, this whole conspiracy has inspired some action movies. Yep. Um, Rambo being the biggest one. And a documentary called Unclaimed, where um, they introduced Sergeant John Robertson, who had been left behind in Nam for four decades. Um, he had been found at age 76 in a rural village, um, unable to speak English or remember his birthday. Many were really skeptical when they heard about it, but upon being reunited with his family, it kind of confirmed it. And so that struck up a lot of debate and controversy because, hey, this shit just happened. This guy's been missing for decades. And then the makers of the movie were like, yeah, it's a hoax. So a lot of it just is false hope and a lot of it is just talk. Hats off, let's go to you. All right. Well, uh, as we talked about, there isn't really a, a motive for why these prisoners of war would have been kept so long alive. Like, if it was a matter of, if, it, if we were talking about, like, just bodies, it would be pretty easy to explain why they would hold on to a bunch of bones and stuff. Right. Uh, half the time, it's more difficult to move all those bones to, and organize them and collect them anywhere than it is to just leave them where they are. And so, unless there was, like, unless they truly were just sadistic and willing to waste a bunch of resources holding these prisoners, there's no benefit for them. The other thing I didn't like about this theory is that they're talking about how like the government itself is trying to uh, is trying to cover up uh, all their knowledge about these uh, held back uh, these held back prisoners of war, but it's not as if one party was saying was denying it all, and then one was like striving for the truth. It was a bipartisan effort to find any like legitimate evidence that there was a that there was going to be a hope for the prisoners of war being still found in uh, Vietnam. Uh, for example, the Kerry Committee, uh, which was the Senate Select POW MIA Committee, uh, its key members were Democrat John Kerry. Two Republicans, uh, John McCain and Bob Smith, two of which were Vietnam veterans, and one of which was, as we've already talked about, a prisoner of war himself. There were Democrats and Republicans. So it's not as if either side had reason to lie, and the conclusions of these committees were unanimous 
in saying that there was nothing to be found uh, that was credible. So I just don't think it adds up. Like there's, there's no part of the government that anyone that's representing anyone that would be willing to just reject everything. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no benefit for either side on the political spectrum. It also doesn't make sense to think about like the government trying to hide all of this information from people when we literally have a defense accounting agency for POWs and MIAs and the numbers have been dropping steadily over the years. Yeah. Like it was, the numbers were what? The initial figure was 2,646 unaccounted for people in 1973. And uh, let's see, as of, as of very recent, as of February, 2020, there are now only 1,587 left who are unaccounted for. So they've cut that figure down by like a thousand people. Mm -hmm. And so that to me says they're probably not like legitimately like hiding and covering up that these prisoners like are, you know, you know, that they were actually imprisoned at all. Right. It sounds to me more like we're literally talking about undiscovered bodies, not necessarily living ones. Yeah. It also doesn't make sense for us to waste $110 million every year uh, in on locating POWs and MIAs that we're trying to prevent from being discovered. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for us to make up and waste $110 million a year. Also, there's some other numbers here that are kind of interesting because you'd think, first of all, that if we were, they were going to have all these extra prisoners of wars, like, I, I feel like we're overestimating how big of a problem prisoners of war not being taken back by the government is. We're talking about like, what, 2,500 people? That is half of a percent of the entire military force that was in Vietnam War before we pulled out under Nixon. Mm -hmm. Like there were 550,000 soldiers over there and we only lost, and we lost, like completely lost, like unaccounted for 2,500. Right. Keep in mind, most of our forces over there were pilots crashing and anyone's noticed the trend here but finding crashed planes is really hard sometimes (laughs) like uh in vietnam where you have such thick jungle foliage lots of crashes could go straight through into the jungle and you'd never find them the the smoke wouldn't come up and they'd be in parts of the forest that would and jungles that would be just you know too thick too too dangerous and too unexplored to necessarily locate someone in and of course, you know, surviving a plane crash in the first place is kind of difficult. So there's that to keep in mind as well. Okay. Also, this is, this is the one that really got me, which is we're in the U.S. worried about 2,500 missing soldiers from the war. And we're saying these 2,500 soldiers, they're a significant figure, which implies the government is conspiring. Do you know how many Vietnamese soldiers are missing from the Vietnam War? 300,000. A lot. The Vietnamese government can't find 300,000 fucking people. Yeah. And, we're, we're, and we're concerned that a conspiracy is happening because 2,000 are missing? You can't make this stuff up, folks. It's genuinely hard to find soldiers, specific missing soldiers, in a war zone. Especially a treacherous war zone, which is 
not well developed like Vietnam. I should have mentioned that earlier that like a lot of the tactics were developed because because of the terrain, because it was something we'd never done. Yeah, there was lots of unfamiliar terrain. And even to this day, it's not easy to explore all parts of Vietnam. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys, but like 2,000 people being missing doesn't say anything when there are 300,000 more who are also equally unaccounted for that no one can find evidence of. Like, we're talking drops in the water. Drops in buckets of water. Nearly 1,800 people are reported missing in the U.S. every day. Yeah. So if we're wrong in saying that it didn't happen, it's still not that many people, um, considering almost the same amount goes missing daily. We're not trying to make light of the... No, it's a very... People are unaccounted for, but it has to be brought into perspective that they got away with so few people going away unaccounted for in unfamiliar terrain, which to this day, we still haven't secured like really deeply strong ties to, Mm -hmm. like that we've managed to only lose track of what, so far 1,600 people from that time period is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, and like, I'm not trying to make light of the situation at all. And I hope no one thinks that we have been trying to make light of it. I will say with 1,800 people going missing, knowing that only four to five of those cases actually get moved forward to a search for a missing person that they believe to still be alive, the likelihood that 2,500 people are still alive and have been for decades just isn't there. I wish there were answers. I wish that those families had closure. They deserve it. But unfortunately, it might not. The answers we're looking for probably have less basis in reality than we'd like. Yeah. And it's not the fault of the governments. That's the real key here. It wasn't the fault of the governments in this case. In this case, it's just the reality that people go missing in war and in everyday life. And that so few have gone missing and that so many were accounted for by the governments is actually worth recognizing. How the extents to which governments have gone to find and locate and identify missing people from their wars. Like, if, if anything, the numbers to me, they scream of Too low. tireless hours from the government finding these people. I sense a lot of different motivation here. And of course, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, like, the, just, just to really emphasize how difficult it is to recover these bodies. There are lots of environmental factors, specifically in Vietnam, which make it really hard to find people, even dead bodies. Uh, the first is that their weather is very hot and rainy. And so bodies and clothing lose very quickly. So at crash sites that we've explored, we might find very few bodies. And yet, in reality, there could be more bodies accounted for within the same areas, but they've been, you know, obliterated literally by the weather. The evidence that we would normally find just isn't there. Mm -hmm. We also have to deal with the fact that in war, 
lots of dead bodies are buried in unmarked graves very quickly on, in random locations just because that's where they died. Right but their units don't want to have to deal with like the issues of, first of all, the smell, second of all, the disease that comes with leaving dead bodies around. So they have to bury them. There's nothing they can do about it. And so trying to track down every marked burial site from decades ago going to be a fruitless effort, unless we have much better technology for you know scanning the ground for different types of material that might indicate a soldier's body there mm-hmm. and as i've mentioned before there are very thick jungles we haven't really explored everything consistently and we probably can't it would be too time it would be too time consuming resource exhaustive and dangerous yeah well and like my big thing was the um the surveying they've started doing that has recovered a lot of the uh a lot of your missing actions from world war ii um of all of the articles i read and all the information i got obviously i'm going from the side of like it's true and you're going from the other side of it but like hers was the only one that made sense and like she lost her father in it and so like of course she was clinging to hope too i'm sure mm-hmm. but her logic of you know at the end of the day it makes more sense that they would have either just let them go to begin with or just killed them because it would have saved a lot of money it's awful to say it's really awful to say cold calculating perspective of whether or not it was worth it to hold on and keep them alive Mm-hmm. It just doesn't add up. That's a really sour note to end an episode on, but here we are. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with holding out hope, and we should always continue to search for people we've left behind and lives that were lost. That's never going to change. That's always going to be a priority. But we have to also accept that yeah, we just can't do it. Unfortunately, you know, there's no answer. I think. I, th- I think we're good. Um, yeah, no, hold out for hope. There's nothing wrong with that. But you do have to look at things logically, too, unfortunately. I don't know. Like, I don't want to end it with this, like, sad, like, Ian, tell a joke. Tell a joke? Mm-hmm. I don't think I know jokes. I think the sooner this video ends, the better. <laughs> yep, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, you can find us on our website conspiracycrasherspodcast.com go there because on that website it has a link to listen a link for merch um the patreon link is up through that you can learn a little bit about us on it um it's a pretty cool place um we also can be found on instagram at conspiracy crashers podcast um where we will be starting to announce next week's episodes on the instagram by posting some cryptid images for you guys to try and use to figure out what we're covering we can be found on facebook at conspiracy crashers on twitter at at conspiracy pods and our email if you have suggestions ideas of what you want us to cover advice whatever tell us your men in black experience in skeleton suits at conspiracycrasher at gmail.com yeah y'all just keep 